Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Please be advised that Gen X This Is Why contains adult language. We're going to settle this right here, Laura Mary style. What's up? Hi, Dad. Hi, and welcome to Gen X This Is Why, the podcast where we re-examine the sometimes bizarre and often scarring media from our shared childhood. My name is Amy, and I'm a proud Gen Xer born in 1977. And I'm her sister, Jenny, born in 1974. Oh, good morning, Jen. Good morning. I'm a little tired today. Were y'all drinking last night? I was, Actually, I wasn't. That was the night before, so that <laughs> might have started the whole thing. Um <sighs> I fell down a hole. Wait, wait, wait. Were you researching wainscoting? No. That was the <laughs> night I dialed it in. Okay. This time I did some real research and I ended up like going down some paths. And the one thing, don't ask me how, but I, I needed some information around World War One. <laughs> You'll see the connection later. Yeah. But I need I I listened to this amazing podcast, Dan Carlin. Mm-hmm. Uh, hardcore hardcore history. history and his like his 15 hour series about world war one and i'm like i there's a specific like point of data i'm looking for that i know is in episode one so like you know i was kind of going through it and i found it and then i was like oh, i love this so much so then i just listened to three hours of it oh. that was at like 11 o'clock at night that started okay then i listened to that and then i watched the season finale to away which i've been watching on what's away that's on, it's on Netflix and it's, um, Hillary Swank and it's the first manned mission to Mars. Oh yes. Okay. I love spaceship. Is it, it good? Fun. Cause I think I'm going to watch it. It's, I mean, it's got some like stereotype problems, but besides that, it's good. It's like, it's really good. It's really well acted. It's well written. Okay. Like, We're looking for a good sci-fi show. So Jenny, um, I'm tired too. Ask me why. Because you got a puppy. Like I a got moron. a goddamn puppy. <laughs> that's exactly what this needed. Yep. Got a puppy. His name's Arlo. He's 12 weeks. Oh, God. It's tough. I thought he was super trained and everything was going to be perfect. Well, he's not trained to hold his pee through the night yet. How do you train someone to hold your pee through they, the night? Because your bladder even comes as they get bigger. Right. He's just so little. I don't think that's training. He just has to grow. Yeah. He's just so little. So like last night we did a five hour stretch. So that was good. I can't yeah. believe you did this to your I, life. I know. I know. All right. Let's, let's start with our episode. Shall we? Any housekeeping before we, I mean, the Mimi bees are growing by the uh, bushel. We should, we should be able to give away that prize in like a month or two. <laughs> that's right. 
Today we continue our look at Walnut Grove with Little House on the Prairie, Season 2, Episode 20, A Soldier's Return. And let me just say this right now. You're going to hear barks in the background from this puppy. I'm not editing them all out. I just told Jenny it takes me hours to edit out my sniffles during allergy season. You might have to deal with the barks, Mimi's. Just deal with it. Go ahead, Jen. Okay, so the description reads, Mrs. Whipple's son Granville returns to Walnut Grove to resume his career as a music teacher. He becomes close to Mary Ingalls, who offers to copy music in exchange for lessons. This was misleading. I agree. Like that, yes. it was a much more exciting episode than that description would imply. Him being close to Mary Ingalls, that was yeah. not a part of it. And I, I think we, I read a different description last time and it felt even a little weirder than that. Like, I was expecting some kind of weird, inappropriate relationship. <laughs> me too. Me too. That didn't happen. That me too. Didn't, that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. All right. So we open on Laura and Mary walking home from school when they come across some weirdo playing a harmonica while he's driving his wagon. He's headed to the Whipple place. Mrs. Whipple's. I he just want to say I hate harmonica. I friggin' hate it. Really? I hate whistling and I hate the harmonica. I don't mind the harmonica. I'm I'm ambivalent to the harmonica. He reveals he's Granville Whipple, Mrs. Whipple's son. Her first name is Amanda, Jenny. I like saying Whipple. I do too. But Jen, guess who he really is? He's Dr. Harry Weston from the Golden Girls. Oh Richard Mulligan. He looked familiar. I knew him immediately. Actor somewhere, but I can't he remember. He is in the episode. Remember the episode where Dorothy is like diagnosed as just being depressed? But, like, she's going around trying to get a diagnosis and everyone's blowing her off. And it's it's a really serious episode. He is in that episode because he's okay. Dr. Harry Weston. And then he went on, of course, to do the spinoff, Empty Nest. I Jenny? Just, I, knew I knew him from somewhere. How old do you think he is in this episode? How old do I think he is? or mm -hmm. How, how old, old do you think the actor is in this episode? The actor is probably 45, but I think he's 65. He's 43. Shut up. <laughs> why, are people, why do people look so old? Jenny, he's 43. I thought he was 60. <laughs> I thought he was 65. But see, I know. Like, people in the 70s just looked older. What's the deal yep. there? Yep. I wow. was watching this with my husband, Timmy, and I'm like, and Timmy's 43. And I'm like, you're going to die when I tell you this. <laughs> and then Timmy's oh going, do God. I look like that? <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. He's like younger than, he's way younger than, not way younger, but he's several wow. years younger than me. Wow. wow. I'm going to be 43 in like a week and I'm scared. Wow. Is this what happens? Yeah, it just hits you like a, like a <laughs> shit ton of bricks. Like your face just melts. Okay, so next we see Mrs. Whipple and she's a lot older than I thought. Like we haven't seen her before. She's like a little old lady. You know who she looks like? Queen Victoria. I guess. <laughs> okay. I remember Queen Victoria. Okay. She's actually the Queen of England at this time in history. So maybe that's like her style idol. Yeah. Maybe she was the like an influencer. Yeah. All right. She sees Granville and she freaks out. She brings him into the house. And I want to say something here. This really hit home with me because I was thinking... Like, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm a mother now. So let me let me say this. I don't watch war movies. They're off limits to me. Why? 
Because I, I get movies. very upset about them. And I can't. I'm like basically like a 75-year-old white guy. Like, I love war movies. <laughs> John Wayne? Yeah. No. 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 Um, I can't watch war movies because I get so upset, which I'll go into later. But this made me think about what it was like for mothers then to send their sons, which it was only sons then, to war. And, like, you just didn't know. You had no No. way of communicating with them. If they didn't write you a letter, they could be dead. You didn't know. Well, it took so long to get letters, especially if you were way west. So, like, I was just feeling a little empathy for Mrs. Whipple here. And I just wanted to point that out. I actually wrote, what an amazingly painful thing to live through. Sending your child to war, especially when there's no way to communicate. Okay, thanks for that. Granville's getting settled in his room when he sees a bugle on the wall and has a reaction to it. The music cues us into the anguish he's feeling, right, Jen? The music. The music through this whole thing. It was very artistic, <laughs> let's say. I guess this is that director who's super heavy handed. Claxton. Yeah, yeah. No, was it Claxton? Yeah, Claxton okay. directed this. Okay. He asks his mother, where did you get that bugle? And she tells him the army doctor gave it to her when he was in the hospital. But she's like, if it brings back bad memories, we can get rid of it. I kept it for my sake. I just liked having your things around. But he's triggered by this bugle. He's triggered. A hundred percent. So then she starts to unpack his bag and finds a tin with morphine in it. Morphine's some heavy shit. I know. (laughs) I have no drugs there. She's concerned his leg has been bothering him again, but he says, no, he hasn't touched morphine in nine months. And he is kind of limping. Yeah. So we're cued in that something has happened. Right. He says, I haven't touched the morphine in nine months. I won't shame you with it, Ma. And she, I'm going to give Miss Whipple, Whipple props here. She handles this whole situation the exact right way. Okay. Like the way she talks to him, she tries to like, rid him of that shame. Like I would never be ashamed of you. You won this medal. Like parents back then were hardcore and she could have reacted a very different way. But she was like, you know, you won this medal and she brings out this little medal. She's like, I'm just happy to have you home. And she starts crying and he's like seven feet tall and she's like three feet tall. Right. So the hug is weird. And I I did say to myself, like, how did he come out of her? (laughs) I mean, he wasn't an adult. (laughs) Maybe maybe she did the egg method. With the <laughs> Mary's egg method. Maybe. And he hatched out of a, an external egg. Maybe. At the Ingalls, Mary is all excited about Granville, and she can't wait to see him when she goes over to Miss Whipple's later and goes to work. He's been gone for 12 years, and Pa and Mary start to talk about him a little bit, and Pa reveals that he was a hero at Shiloh. And I have pause for Jenny's index card. <laughs> Okay, because for once I revealed my index card ahead of time. No, no, I wrote this before that. I told you in the text. I said I predicted your index card would be about this. If there was a mention of a monarch, if there's a (laughs) mention of a scientific experiment or a war, that's that's where I'm going. Well, and in full disclosure, Jenny and I like to surprise each other with these things, so we don't talk about the episode at all Mm -mm. before we get on air, but... I went down my own little rabbit hole and I wanted to make sure that we didn't go down the same rabbit hole. So that's yeah, why we communicated like, this. Amy's like, I did quote unquote research. <laughs> so I just wanted to make sure we weren't doing the same thing. So what is the battle of Shiloh? 
The Battle of Shiloh, also known as the Battle of Pittsburgh Landing, took place from April 6th to April 7th, 1862. So it's early in the war. We're early in the war. Amy, you know the dates of the Civil War, right? I do. Thank you. I know a lot about presidential history, so I know about a, a lot about the war via Abraham Lincoln. 1861 to 1865. So this is fairly early in the war. The Confederate Army launched a surprise attack on Union forces in southwest Tennessee. After initial successes, the Confederates lost. Both sides suffered heavy losses. 23,000 soldiers died. The level Holy of violence, shit. the level of violence shocked both sides. It was the highest death toll in the war at that point. It, the losses had exceeded the Revolutionary War, the whole Revolutionary War, just in this one battle. The War of 1812 and um, the Mexican-American War. Not, and where not all was combined, this battle? Where was it? Southwest Tennessee. Okay. So what, what I, what I compare this battle to, like the way they talk about it is if you, if you're familiar with the Battle of the Somme in World War One. So it was kind of the battle where everyone was like, holy shit. Like we're in a whole different level of like War. danger. Warfare. Yeah. yeah. Like, cause World War One changed warfare forever. Like it was just the, the scale of war that we hadn't ever seen. Like we had these huge armies, like a, we had modern armies that had millions of people in it. World War One, like sixty-five million people fought in World War One, like insane. Nothing we had ever done before even came close to that. So I think this was the type of battle of that war that was very defining. That said, we're in a whole new level of shit right now, and I it was very traumatizing to both sides. Well, and I'm just gonna say it is important to remember when you think about casualties from the Civil War that the casualties on both sides were yes. ours. Yep. So that's yep. why the numbers tend to seem so huge. Well, I mean, yeah, there was two, like, I think almost 3 million pe soldiers fought in the Civil War, which was a lot at that time. Mm -hmm. But it was the whole, like, not only was it only our side, but it was all of our civilians, you know, in the areas were involved, too. Yeah. So, like, it was it was really a people in arms. It was a war effort. I thought there'd be a lot more casualties in the Revolutionary War, but there wasn't. Not nearly as much as, as, hmm. uh, the, as, well, I mean, I knew there was more in the Civil War, but it, the Revolutionary War only, only had, um, 231,000 total soldiers fight. I mean, they weren't really, they were militia. 230,000? 230,000 total for the whole war. And there was only ever 48,000 at a time fighting, which didn't seem oh, like that's a not lot. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. They were fighting the British military. Like insane. Right. Right. Insane. Yep. Hmm. Okay. Thanks, Jen. That was actually interesting. Well, it was, it, it's just, the point is it was a very traumatizing battle that kind of messed up a lot of people that were in it just psychologically. Okay. okay. So Paul says in agreement, in agreement with your index card, that was a pretty costly action for both sides. Lost a lot of men there. Lost a lot of good men there. I don't, I forget what he said. I have a big question, and I looked this up online. I wonder if you did too. What? Why was Charles not in the Civil War? I don't know. I thought about that. So I looked up. He Charles Ingalls, the real person, was born in 1836. Mm -hmm. So he would have been 25 when the Civil yeah, War broke out. Prime for so the he was prime age. But where and was I, he though? I looked this up online. They were actually in Wisconsin at some point. And like there was drafts out of Wisconsin. There was drafts every year of the war. There's no record of him. 
it's some, it's supposedly, it's like this big mystery for little house book readers that they don't know why. And it's not really addressed. They don't, there's What's no us, Can we tweet Melissa Gilbert? She's Laura Ingalls, right? Yeah, she'll know. Well, she sounds good. <laughs> but they don't know. They really don't know why. There's no record of him being drafted. So they don't think he was like a draft dodger, but he didn't volunteer for the war like Carolyn's brother did, all these people did. Like, could it be because he had children and a family to support? Because think about that. The man provided literally the food and everything else for the family. Like, Caroline couldn't just go to the grocery store if Charles was at war. Hold on. Like, if you had a family, you might have had an exception. It seems like they don't know why. Mary Ingalls was born in 1865. No, she was born at the end of the war. Hmm. He didn't have a family yet. Not children, anyway. That's weird. Yeah. Like, it's it's a thing with readers of the books. Like, they, it's a mystery no one knows the answer to. And they're, like, pissed that they don't know why. It's it's, because it's weird. Like knowing how his character is represented anyway, you would think he would volunteer for war. Uh, He would have won the war. You got to be in the war to win the war. You got to play to win. Which brings me to my next part here. So the girls asked Paul if he was ever in a war. And I wrote, don't you think they would have heard about this by now? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I was in this big battle in the Civil War, but I never talked about it for the last 14 years. Although that's not uncommon. But you would know that they were at least in a war. You might not know details about it, but I think you would know. Yes, 100%. Okay. Laura's all like, I bet you'd be a hero and win a medal. I love her. Okay, and Charles replies, I think most men would trade a medal to forget the memory of war. And I wrote, Charles gets it. Maybe he's like a a peace-loving hippie. Maybe. Maybe. At the Whipples, Granville is really struggling with the morphine. At least that's what the music is telling us. He's touching it, holding it, sleeping with it in his grasp. (laughs) And he starts having a flashback where he's running literally through a fog of war while the bugle is playing. And I wrote, a ghost is chasing him? I have, what the fuck is this a ghost soldier? Like, I don't... It, he's not dead because he's walking around. There's no clear injury. He but they made him look way. like a ghost. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's so strange. And they're walking through. And like the flashback, I'm sure it's dramatic if you were there, but like this is no World War One. Yeah, I want to get one thing straight. If we laugh or giggle through this at all, it's because of the overacting. It is <laughs> certainly not because of the content. We're not laughing at war or addiction. Or PTSD or any of those things. All right. So then the ghost gets blown up in a pile of leaves. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's the okay. Special. So we're not laughing. We're at not laughing at war. War or nothing. But <laughs> we're laughing at the at the production quality of this episode. <laughs> yes. And coming off, like I know, I said I don't watch war movies, but I watched. My first war movie in a very long time recently, which was 1912. Oh, so good. It was so, so good, good. But coming off of that and seeing this war recreation. Not a fair comparison. <laughs> 1912 was great. It's like my, one of my favorite it was war good. movies. Actually, you know which one I like more is uh, Dunkirk. Dunkirk Don't know. is Didn't see so it. good. Oh, my God. It's, and it's such an interesting battle. Like, it's a really interesting mm. story. The next day, the Whipples head into Olson's Mercantile, and Mrs. Whipple introduces Granville to Harriet and says he's played with some of the best orchestras in Philly. And she says, Jen, did you get this? He tends to hide his light under a bushel. 
And I wrote, what the fuck is this bushel shit? Like, I don't know what a bushel is. Is a bushel a specific plant? Is, is it, it a bush? A, did they just say bushel instead of bush? Pause. Like, I thought a bushel was a, a measure, like a unit of measurement. Pause. Okay, we're back. Jenny's right. It's a measurement. Like you could have a bushel of corn or something but like that. But she just says under a bushel. Yeah. Okay. All right. Whatever. Maybe 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 the default is a bushel of corn. Maybe. Let's just say that. <laughs> Granville is offering music lessons, Jenny, to Walnut Grove. And he asked Harry if he could post a flyer about. Did you get a look at this flyer? It's just writing on Looks a paper. Looks like a third grader wrote it. Yeah. Looks like Harry wrote it. It doesn't look like Carrie. Have you seen Carrie write? <laughs> That's right. She wouldn't be able to spell anything. We can read it. Therefore, Carrie didn't write it. Harriet is impressed with him, and she thinks that Walnut Grove could use a little culture. Harriet reveals that she is probably the only one in Walnut Grove who's had formal music training, voice training, Jenny. Oh, God, of course. Yeah. And she wants Willie and Nellie to be his first students. And I wrote... Has anyone done a background check on this dude? Like you're just going to send your kids to this traumatized dude's house? I don't think that was a thing really then. Like there's no background checks. Okay. All right. People didn't know stores. That's true. Okay. A few days later, Nellie is getting a music lesson from Granville and he tells her that she has to practice for one hour every day. And she's like, I don't need to practice as long as everyone else. My mother says I'll pick this up quicker than anyone. And she's playing, I think, the oboe. Is that the oboe? We thought she was playing the flute. No, definitely not the flute. No? I think it's an oboe. Okay. Mary, I, hate, I just want to say that I hate oboes. Oh, Okay. I'm just going to start a list of people I'm missing off oboe players. <laughs> oboe players is on that list. I have no opinion for oboes. Again, <laughs> I'm I ambivalent towards harmonica oboe. players and oboe players are yeah. now mad at me. If you're in an orchestra and you play those, those instruments, come for Jenny. I want to <laughs> see that. Yeah, there's a harmonica in the orchestra. Yep. So Mary and Mrs. Whipple walk in. And Nellie rubs at Mary's face that she's just a seamstress. Which I would say... Is a very difficult skill to master. Well, and is a very viable skill in these days. Like, yeah. it's critical. Yeah. And Nellie's like, music is more important. Blah, blah, blah. I hate Nellie so much. Oh, she's awful. <laughs> Granville offers to give Mary the lessons for free. And Mary's like, I'm working over here, motherfuckers. Like, I don't have time to take. Like, that's a fantasy in my world. Music lessons. He tells Mary he will give her lessons in exchange for copying music sheets. Mary says she will learn anything he wants. And then he whips out a little piano and creepily stands behind her as he teaches her a song. I have a question. Is creepily a real word? Because I use it a lot. Creepily means in a way that causes an unpleasant fearing, feeling of fear or unease. Oh, I thought I was totally making up that so word. he was awesome. creepily standing behind her. Let me just say that. Okay. Then we switch to like the greatest scene ever. <laughs> Well, can I just say, though, that I was like, Mary's going to burn herself a la, burn herself out a la Pa in episode one. Or a la the award when she was like oh, yeah. going crazy during the award. I saw it more like the Pa thing from Harvest of Friends where mm -hmm. he just overworks himself and falls out of a tree. So while all this is going on, Charles is trying to teach Laura the fiddle. So we switch to Laura playing the fiddle and I feel seen, Jenny, because well, you used to play the fiddle. this is me playing the violin. 
I just have a core. What Laura's violin playing sounds like a chorus of cats with rusted vocal cords. Oh, yeah. It's horrible. <laughs> and I played the violin in third, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. And at the end of sixth grade, so that's four years, count them up. The end of sixth grade, I still sounded like that. So this is kind of the equivalent of my French speaking. Like I took four years of it. Yeah. I could say like two yeah. sentences. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So Mary comes home and rubs her toy piano in their faces. <laughs> <laughs> Mary explains the deal she is going and Pa says he'd like to teach. He'd like her to teach him how to read music. And I wrote, Jesus, how many side hustles and deals are we cutting with everyone here? <laughs> well, when Pa picked up that music, I immediately wrote, Pa can read music. I'm like, I'm not buying it. Definitely not buying it. But it turns out he can't because that would not make sense that he could read music. He can't. Jenny, what does he say music looks like to him? Written music. Kind of chicken scratch on a fence. Chicken tracks on a barbed wire fence. Okay. Well, he's not wrong. Okay. If you, if you blur your eyes, it would kind of look like that. <laughs> or just take off your glasses like Mary. Okay. Charles wants to meet Granville and thank him. And Carolyn's like, too late. I already invited them to dinner. Next, we see all of them gathered together, and Pa and Granville are jamming. And oh, yeah. Granville's playing the banjo. banjo, and Pa, of course, is playing the fiddle. And Pa's struggling to keep up because, of course, they've made this a contest. <laughs> like, they just can't play a song together. Everything is a contest in Walnut Grove. <laughs> and I just have that these guys would love, would have loved The Devil Went Down to Georgia. Oh. I can totally see them playing that song. Yep, yep. Pa gives up and realizes he's busted a string, and Granville invites him out to the wagon and says he has an extra. While he's out there, he starts telling him how much he likes Mary. <laughs> okay, so maybe this did get weird, and it I just didn't weird. <laughs> She's far and away the best student he has. Now, let's review. We're assuming Mary got the toy piano probably after school one day. She did. She brings it home, and Caroline says, I've invited the Whipples to dinner Saturday. So yep. she has been his student for what? Three days max. But max. Jen, she's the best student he's ever had. I mean, I don't think he's done this hustle a lot. He was, God knows what he's been doing for the last 12 years. I guess. So Granville starts talking about Walnut Grove and he says when he left, Walnut Grove was only a few farms and the army looked good. He says he looked for a long time for people who care about him and for him to care about. And he like starts doing the Charles, you have it all. You know, everyone's envious of Charles in town. The next day, Harriet is directing the children to pretend they're practicing. <laughs> and they're awful. I love that Willie's playing the trombone. Like, and let perfect. me tell you something. If you've ever sat through your children's elementary school band concert, this is exactly that. Perfect. It was that bad. They're awful. So Granville comes in the store and she wanted him to hear them practicing. And she's like, aren't they great? Blah, blah, blah. And then... There's this weird scene where this woman walks in and she's like, oh, my God, Granville Whipple. And it, he turns around. He's like staring at her. And Mrs. Whipple's like, surely you recognize Vera Collins, Roy's wife. And he is she has a kid with her. And I'm immediately like, is that his son? No, it's the dead guy's son. I know, but I thought it was his. Like, I didn't know where they were going with this. The kid is the right age. The kid is you like 13. You could, but like, if it was somebody you had a relationship with, you would not recognize them. Well, the way he stared at her, though, was like, and it's only 12 years. You watched too many soap operas. I, I did. I did. It's ingrained in me. 
Anyway, Granville just stares at her and then says, oh, yeah, I remember you. And she introduces her son, Roy Jr. And they go on and on and on about how much Roy Sr. loved Granville and how in his letters he wrote that Granville was the best bugler in the, quote, whole blammed army. Blammed. Blammed. B-L-A-M-E-D. Is that a word? I don't know. That's what it said on my closed captioning. And oh, okay. Maybe the closed captioning. No, okay. no. I think okay. it, I think they said it. Pause. Right. Yeah, Jenny, it's a word. I looked it wow. up. Blammed. Used for emphasis. Oh, I like that. Blammed. So, like, I think I use damned instead of blammed right yeah. now. Yeah, we've but. evolved into fucking... <laughs> okay, <laughs> he looks third in the whole fucking army. Okay, Roy Jr. never knew his father, only from the letters he sent home. And Granville, during this whole conversation, looks super uncomfortable. Vera invites him over to dinner, and then Roy Jr. is asking Granville, like, if he will teach him the bugle. And he's like, nope, like, I just feel like, again, a situation where people don't know how to read the room. He's like sweating and like yeah. adjusting his collar and like, oh my God, get me out of here. And this kid's like, will you teach me how to play the bugle? I heard you're great. My dad yeah. loved you. Aren't you responsible for his life? Weren't you responsible <laughs> for his death? You killed my dad. I know you did. <laughs> this kid. The kid's really intense. Roy, ins- Roy Jr. insists that Granville tell him about the day his father died because you guys were just like twins, like flypaper, always stuck together. <laughs> I wrote... Oh my God, even I'm uncomfortable I'm here. Stressed out. Jesus, I'm stressed. kid. <laughs> yeah, he's really intense. So then, Jenny, I have a question. I'm assuming Roy Sr. is the ghost from the flashback. I'm assuming. I'm assuming. Okay. Later, Granville is thrashing around in bed with his bugle. <laughs> and I'm like, that, that tossing and turning, that has been me since 1998. <laughs> also, that room looks really hot. It does look hot, but are you gra- are you like clinging to a bugle when you're thrashing around? <laughs> I mean, that's probably my cell phone. Okay. Or my iPad. <laughs> so I wrote, just get rid of it, dude. Just throw yeah. the bugle in the trash. Put it in the other room. Just put it in the other room. <laughs> you don't have to have it hanging on the corner of your bed. I know. Okay. So then there's a, a, a scene here that I want, I'm going to walk you through my exact thought process. I wrote the entire thing down Good, for this wait. next scene. The next morning, Granville is hitting the morphine when Miss Whipple comes in. Oh, wait, he's stealing some from her to replace his. She keeps loose morphine around? <laughs> oh, wait, it's flour. <laughs> so, yeah. So- she has so, a canister full of morphine. So morphine kind of looks like flour, guys, if you've never seen it. Like, at least in this portrayal, it does. It looks like cocaine, essentially. So he's, like, replacing the morphine that he used because he, don't forget, told his mother he's sober. So she's going to see the morphine's gone. Right. So I thought he was taking morphine out of, like, a, a canister. Yes. Yeah. She has a canister of morphine. It's flour. It takes me a while to uh, to process these things. Mrs. Whipple starts yammering on about everyone in town, and Granville is shaking and sweating. Yeah, visibly like having some kind of breakdown. He snaps at his mother. Then Mary comes in, and she wants to show him the music she's copied, and he snaps at her, and he's like, 
I just need to get out of here. I just need to go to the store. The music is wrong. Leave me alone. Like he's clearly again, clearly having something like an episode. Please leave he's, him is alone. That, is he going through with, he's going through withdrawal. Like, yeah, he's out he used the, yeah, he used the morphine last night. So he runs out the door. Miss Whipple is beside herself. And what a cute old lady. I mean, I just felt so bad for her. He shows up at Olson's and he wants to buy some morphine. And, <laughs> and Nels is like, whoa, dude. Nels is really, Walnut Grove is progressive in this way. Yeah. Because Nels is like, we don't sell that here. You have to go through Doc Baker because Doc Baker had us take it off the shelf because people can become addicted to it. A year ago. So they're newly progressive into this. But they're like, yeah, like we don't sell controlled substances here. But I'm telling you right now, this had such, like this is so close to what's happening right now with the heroin epidemic. With some major crisis. With some major differences. But we'll get to that. Yeah, there are some major differences. But it's interesting. Mm -hmm. All right, so... (laughs) This is great. So he's like, okay, where's Doc Baker? I got to go see him. And he walks out and guess who's there, Jen? That fucking kid. That fucking kid. Like, did he follow him around? He's the ghost kid. So you see, you see Granville coming out of the store, angry, sweating. And now's the time I want to approach him. And I feel like asking him for bugle lessons. You're a mother. Like kids, he's probably like, what, 12? 11. I would they hope just, my kids would not approach. They just don't know. They don't have that sense of like I guess. timing and like they don't read the room. They just do stuff. He might be like 10, maybe 11. I guess. So Roy Jr. is stalking him outside. So he's like, teach me how to play the bugle. Teach me how to play the bugle. Please. I love the bugle. And Grandpa <laughs> grabs him by the shoulders and yells at him and then oddly embraces him. <laughs> so weird. And I I kind of wrote this as really sad. Yeah. Like, I felt like it was really sad. Okay. Now we're going to head over to Doc Baker's. And Jen, he's doing his thorough examination where he just looks at his leg and says, looks good. Looks good. touches your knee and was like, that should be fine. It's been 12 years. (laughs) Uh, Doc says, it shouldn't be causing you pain. Why do you need morphine? And then Doc Baker tries to give him something else. Because Doc Baker, you would think, would have been a doctor, could have been a doctor in the war, would have dealt with war injuries at some point, somewhere, right? Yeah. Yeah. Although he's 107, so I don't know if he would have been. He's still practicing, so. So Doc Baker gives him something else that he says he won't be addicted to, and then he finally just calls him out on it, and he starts explaining that morphine's addictive, and, you know, uh, Granville's like, you guys caused this problem, now you won't help me with it, and Doc Baker's like, we didn't know a lot about it, we overprescribed it, like, whoa, 2020. Well, but the major difference in that is we do know. The pharmaceutical companies yes. did know, yes. and yes. they didn't give a shit, and they yes. didn't tell anyone. Well, they hid it. Yeah. But the right. doctors didn't know. No, the doctors didn't right. know, but... No one really knew then, right? Big like, knew. It's mm-hmm. kind of like what happened with with nicotine, right? Like we didn't realize how addictive it was until everyone was addicted to it. But this is different. And big tobacco big knew. knew. Big tobacco knew, yep. and yep. also deceived the public. Yeah, mm-hmm. there was deception. Like we we knew what oxycontin would do. Not us, but the people who made it knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh. Granville flips out and he leaves. At the Ingalls, Mary's pretty upset. She's crying by a tree somewhere. She tells Paul what happened with Granville Granville and how he hates her now. And Paul talks to her 
and tells her he went through a lot and she has to be patient. And I wrote, he's talking her right back into the arms of a traumatized drug addict. Nice work, Charles. (laughs) Is this like when you told Laura to go to a crazy man's house and tell him (laughs) his wife was dead? Right, right. Let's let's have a little forethought when we're putting our kids in these situations. And I like how Mary's carrying around like a 1400 page book. And like when you see Laura's books, they're like pamphlets. Well, Laura, you know, she's already naturally smart. She doesn't need to ingest a lot. She doesn't need to read. I love when she's reading about history and she's like, I'm studying dead people. Yeah. She just mm-hmm. thinks it like mm-hmm. she hates history. They, they bring that up history. all the time. Doesn't she understand what the word history means? I don't know. Ah, where am I? Suddenly, Jen, in the darkness, this is where things get fucking real. (laughs) Granville breaks into Dr. Doc Baker's place and steals the morphine. Like, I don't, I can't believe Doc Baker didn't see that coming a mile away. Yeah, this is some dark shit. He's having a flashback, presumably about the ghost. And I then, thought it was a mime because that dude looked like a mime in that flashback. I don't understand why they made him look dead. When he wasn't, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Miss Whipple is trying to give him some tea later and she finds him sleeping in bed with a bunch of empty morphine packets around him. That's not good. <laughs> like his, the binge is the evidence of his binge. Is yeah. There. Like we can't be subtle here. Sprinkle, just, sprinkle the morphine all around him. Can we just review what happened? Like I couldn't wrap my mind around why he, why Granville thinks this is his fault. Like we see two soldiers walking one, well, he is gets he- into that. He gets into that. Okay. Okay. I'm stopping you because he'll get into that. Okay. She starts to throw the morphine in the fire and he stops her. Can I ask a question? Because I'm kind of dumb about drugs. How is he ingesting the morphine? He's probably sniffing it, I'm assuming. Okay. All right. I, I'm assuming. He's not like cooking it on a spoon. No, that's heroin. Okay. Although he, no, I don't know. I don't think so. No. Yeah, I don't know. All right. So he wakes up and he stops her from throwing the morphine in the fire and they have a really hard conversation. Here's where he says he reveals that he didn't really earn the medal. Like he didn't earn it, but he got it because he was the only one left alive and he was only left alive because he ran away. Okay. And the ghost dude tried to stop him. Tried to stop him from from running away and he kept going. And by the time he came back, he was dead. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So he he thinks he's a coward. Okay. Got essentially. It. So um Mrs. Whipple again handles this brilliantly. Tells him there's no shame in being afraid. And to face that shame, you have to just tell the truth. And I wrote, She is just a great mom. Um, I also during this conversation detected a Brooklyn accent. Really? On Granville. Hmm. A little bit. Okay. I wonder if he's from I don't know, but it, there was some kind of Brooklyn accent there briefly. <laughs> Suddenly, Granville stands up and he says he knows what he has to do. He has to tell Roy Jr. what happened and he has to recreate that day. That feels scary. Red flag. Yeah, yeah, that feels scary. That feels like someone should be there, like should be the mediator. <laughs> like doesn't feel like <laughs> should be doing like, yeah. 
Red the flag. next day, Doc Baker heads into his office and discovers he's been robbed and immediately calls Charles over because Charles is like standing nearby, ready to fix things. Right, right. Then Doc Baker breaks every single HIPAA law and tells Charles to accompany <laughs> him to the Whipples as he confronts Granville about his morphine addiction. There is no HIPAA in this world, even close. But Jenny, Granville still isn't there. He's still at Roy's place. And somehow, Charles gets roped into heading out to Roy's place. I think he volunteered for it. With Mrs. Whipple while Doc Baker heads back to town. Yeah, Doc Baker's like, you guys you guys got, <laughs> you got this. this. Good luck. I, I, there could be an overdose involved, but you guys got this. You, you got this. Good. It's good. They find, they head over to Roy's and they find Granville's horse by the woods and it's like ominous. Well, I was like, how convenient for hero mode. Like there's a, yeah. there's a horse there's ready a horse to right saddle there. up. And Charles didn't take the bait. I know. I have a question about horses. Okay. Do horses just stand there? No, I have a note about that. It's just hanging out there, like untied, just eating grass. I mean, it might hang around. I don't know. But if, they always tend to tie them. Yeah, like, do you park a horse and it just stays where you park it? Can no, I get that no. to happen with this puppy? No, it's an animal. It will walk around. Okay. <laughs> so Charles heads into the woods, and he finds Granville passed out. And I'm going to read this as I witnessed it. Finds Granville passed out under a huge log. And buried under leaves with morphine all over him. Oh, Jesus. Mrs. Whipple's behind him and sees this. Oh, my God. He's dead. <laughs> Again, that's not what I'm laughing at. I know. But let's talk about this, Jenny. He's but under what? a heavy tree. How'd he get under that tree? And it's not like this is clearly undisturbed. Like, yes. it's like he just like slipped under. It's so weird. It, there's no, it doesn't make any sense. Leaves and I don't know how he got there. So weird. Like so it makes you wonder: Was it an accident? Did a tree fall on him? I have no idea. Like he's like they, clearly an overdose, right? Yeah, but I feel like he would have just been laying there on top of things because he just came to the scene. Like it's so strange. Mom would have been all over this scene. She would have figured out the physics behind it. <laughs> okay, so the next scene is his funeral. I I was like, holy I wasn't shit. ready for this. I, I forgot this happened. Like, I didn't, I, I forgot he died. I wasn't ready for it. And then, like, Mrs. Whipple's widow couture, her, that widow couture game is solid. Like, she's got the whole black ensemble. She looked on. like a queen of she's England there. She's done this before. Yeah, yeah she's Queen was, Victoria. It was totally. real. Roy Jr., Jen, is playing his, uh, Granville's bugle at the funeral. I have a question. I thought he needed less. I thought he didn't know how to play the right. bugle. That, Suddenly that he could like play a beautiful expert. song. That was like expert bugle playing. Yep. That's it. Over. And and here's my criticism. <laughs> like, again, no follow-up. Like, this is the thing that drives me yes. nuts about Yes. Like, they touch on these really interesting, like, deep social issues, but then don't do anything with it. Like, they recognize PTSD, but there's no, like, oh, well, so is, what? What do it, we do? Is it time so, for Amy's rewrite? No, that's not a thing. We're not doing okay, that. Okay, so in Amy's rewrite, this is what happens. On the way home from the funeral, Charles and the girls are walking, and Charles explains to them that Granville was traumatized by the things he saw in the war and that he handled that trauma, unfortunately, with substance abuse. Because the military didn't give him any kind of mental health. Right. They talk about it. Yeah, there should be something there. Like it just, they just kind of do the thing and mm -hmm. that's it. Like yeah. they bring awareness to it, but not really, sort right. of. Right. It's right. weird. Yeah. 
Because there's no resolution. Right. And not that you're going to resolve it, but like there should be some, like they don't call it out for what it is, I guess is is the problem with it. Well, I think they They use Charles. I think they use Charles as that device. Like the whole time he was telling the girls, you have to be patient with him. He saw a lot of bad things. You know what I mean? But it could be done more fully. I mean, the thing about it too is like, it's not like he can use the words PTSD because they, that was right. Right. Like that was affected by the war. That's true. Like you can't, you can't talk about PTSD in a show that's supposed to be in the 1870s. Correct. But you could talk about being affected by the war. I I guess Charles touches on it, but it's so, it's so brief and secondary. Like it's not, they don't center on it enough. Like why this has happened. Yes, I agree. And and how like how difficult it is to come back into like a normal life. I agree. Like a, I agree. Yep. Because this had to have been a common thing. Oh, I can't imagine it yeah. wasn't. Yeah. Okay, Jenny, um in our new segment, whose fault this is? We examine whose fault this is. So Jenny, whose fault is this? This is the United States Army's fault. For once, we are on the same page. <laughs> yep, I wrote the same thing. This is the Army's to... fault. They just had these men fight yep. and sent them home. Sent them home. I um, I was trying to blame Doc Baker, but I, I, <laughs> it, was, it was not a good case. Okay, yeah, I we're in agreement. We don't agree often, but yeah, this is pretty blatant, pretty cut and dry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so at the end of every episode, Jenny and I will go back and we'll examine a theme or some kind of insight that we took from the episode either when we originally watched it or on the rewatch. And that is our why. And it's designed to finish the sentence, Gen X, this is why. So Jenny, what is your why? So this is why I stopped dating musicians. Wow. Okay. (laughs) That's kind of light. He's like a wild card. He's like, you know, kind of crazy. So no, I mean, like, I don't know. There's so many heavy things in this episode. I'm like, I'm just going with a light why. I just think we need to um, lighten it up a bit. You're going to need to lighten it up before my why. So go ahead. No, I mean, I dated many, many musicians back in the day. And uh, it's just, it's crazy. It's a little, it's a crazy ride. It's a crazy ride. And even within the world of being a musician, there's different, like dating the singer is a lot different than dating the drummer. Yes. Yeah. The, or dating the lead guitar player. Yes. I agree. Yeah, it's really different. Yeah. Or dating a classical musician. Like, totally different thing. Yep. Yep. And I'm sure all these people would say the same thing about visual artists, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's it. That's all I got. That's deep, Jen. <laughs> um, okay. So here's what I wrote. This is why on my rewatch... I really believe this was made for Vietnam veterans. So this came out in 76. Mm. Okay. Interesting. Uh, Vietnam veterans, many of, many of whom raised us and were in our lives in a prominent way. So Gen X was really the last generation to experience the Vietnam vets coming home in a, like immediately. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We like were they children. were still kind yeah. of young yep. men when we were kids. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, Vietnam vets were in our society in a very real way when we grew up. And many of the vets that I knew were damaged in a real way from that war. Um, One I knew who was my best friend's father killed himself. 
another guy I worked with couldn't even say the word Vietnam until 20 years later. He told me that like I have him come into my classes and do a presentation about Vietnam. And he, he openly admits he didn't talk about for 20 years. They came back and he just went on with his life. Like it never happened. Wow. Yeah. It was crazy. Um, And then another was a professor of mine who was very traumatized and wrote a lot of poetry about, Vietnam and and just had a very um, problematic relationship with alcohol and drugs because he was just so traumatized from this war. So I did a little research on PTSD, like not Jenny level research, but, you know, just enough to wet the palate. Um, PTSD wouldn't become a formal diagnosis until 1980. Wow. So before Vietnam, it was often called shell shock. And I will say, I remember Graham calling it that. Well, that was from World War One. Yes, I, it was from 1917 yeah. from a medical officer who believed PTSD was the result of a trauma from being exposed to exploding shells. They thought it was actually physical. Mm-hmm. Like it was a yes. physical. It was mainly yeah. a diagnosis of physical symptoms. Mm-hmm. Do you remember Graham used to talk about her father mm-hmm. that he was shell shocked? He was in oh, World War II, yes. but he was old. Like they drafted him at like 38 years old or something crazy into World War II. Yes. And he had a bad leg and like yep. they took him. Yeah, it was Three crazy. Kids. They took yep. everyone. Yep. So after Vietnam, PTSD was often referred to as post-Vietnam syndrome. Mm-hmm. And then in 1980, PTSD started becoming the term most currently used. And so I feel like this episode aired while many of the Vietnam veterans were dealing with these issues. And this may have been a way to address that in our society. Yeah. Like they, they definitely bring a lot of these issues to the forefront. Yeah. And I also have, this is a little offshoot that I found despite decades of a mostly all male military Women are more than twice as likely to be diagnosed with PTSD after a traumatic event occurring according to the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. So what what accounts for that difference is the type of trauma. And there was a study released that sexual assault is equivalent to being in combat. Yeah. And one in three women suffer from sexual some form of sexual assault in their life. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. I was like, holy crap. So I feel like, I don't know, like, I really just think this was kind of a message to the Vietnam vets. And I don't know. I can see that. Yeah. So that was my why. Our (laughs) father, our father wasn't in Vietnam. That's an interesting story. Yeah. What happened with that is our dad was, it was 72, right? Yeah. So he would have been right out of high school. Yeah. He was 18 or 19 and... Uh, his draft number came up, him and a couple buddies. And so they all decided to go down to the recruiter's office and sign up because if you signed up, you got to choose which branch you went into. So they all wanted to be in the Navy like their fathers. So they went down to sign up to be in the Navy. But my dad was like, I'm just going to wait and talk to my father and That's just make sure. Happened. Yes, it is. Yes, it they is. They joined the Guard. They joined the National Guard. They joined his the Guard? Hard and dad's like, I want to join the Navy after you talk to right. Grandpa. He was gonna wait, yeah. He's gonna, the, I'm gonna go down Monday and join the right. Navy. The point of the story is, dad waited, the friends didn't like a day they or two, w- right? A day or two, the day or two that he waited, Nixon ended the draft, Nixon ended the draft, so they were all in the National Guard for four years or whatever. I thought they is. joined the service, I think they joined the Guard. 
Could you do that? Could yeah, you just join so. the guard to get out of it? Oh, uh, well, I don't know. If I, you didn't necessarily get out of it, but hmm. I'm almost positive that we'll have to verify that with him. But he was, he talked to grandpa because my grandfather was in the Navy. I'm going to get him Other on the phone. Oh God. Other <laughs> grandfather was in the Navy and he said, you know, that's the bet. Like join the Navy, you know, join the Navy. Uh. <laughs> Why are we doing this? No How is this going to go? <laughs> making calls now? God knows what he's this doing. Go either way. Oh, maybe he's not home. Of course he's not going to answer. He knows it too. Do you want me to call him? <laughs> We're going to settle this right here, Laura Mary style. What's up? Hi, Dad. Hey. You're on our podcast. Oh, really? <laughs> we have What's a question. We need you to settle a debate right now between the two of us. Okay. The story about you being drafted into Vietnam. Right. Did your friends go down and sign up for the National Guard or the actual service? The National Guard. Mm, yes. Son of yes. A yes. <laughs> and why did Nobody you? Nobody wanted to go in the service back then. Yes. Okay. Well, I'm just surprised it was that easy to get out of it that you could sign up for the National Guard. Yeah, that's how it was. Okay, so you waited, and then well, you... don't 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 think for one minute that National Guard groups didn't go over there. Right, right, right. right. The last resort, yeah. you know. Yep. Right. So you waited to talk to Grandpa. I talked to Grandpa. We were going to go down on Monday to sign up for the Navy. In the Navy. And the draft but ended. Night, Nixon, come on, ended the draft. What That's were you thinking when that happened? I think, and I had to go. There's no way I could get out of it, you know. No, but like when there was he no ended. Or anymore. And I had to go. When he ended the draft, what were you thinking? When what? When the when he announced the draft was over and you knew you didn't have to go, what was that? Oh, like? I was ecstatic. I was ecstatic. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Oh my god. Yeah. All right, Dad. Thanks. We had to settle that. I won. Okay. Jenny won. <laughs> All, right, bye. All right. Bye. He gets so excited to be on our podcast. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> All right. There you have it. Jenny, we just literally pulled a Laura and Mary when they when had to settle the bet and they went over to ask Pa. <laughs> Except Pa wasn't there. He was at the Widow Thurman's. Right. Right. <laughs> okay. So um, I guess that's it, right? Why don't you tell us what we're doing next? We're doing, it's going to, it's season finale time. Woo! So season finale of season two, Going Home. The Ingalls family's crop and farm lie in ruin. Oh, man. Due to a devastating tornado that sweeps through Hero Township. This is going to be a Charles-heavy episode. There's going to be shirtless paw. There's going to be hero mode. Oh, yeah. Drama barn. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I just realized. It's called Hero Township. Guys, if you have not checked out our Instagram yet, please do because Jenny made an awesome graphic of Hero Mode. It's <laughs> Hero Township. Is that real? I don't know. Oh my God. That we'll find out. Okay. So thanks for listening. Uh, I guess season finale's next. If you haven't checked out our blockbusters, we've been doing some fun 80s movies. Um, we did Heathers, we've done Top Gun, we've done Karate Kid. Uh, Howard the Doc, um, Dirty Dancing. For Halloween, we're doing Nightmare Halloween. on Elm Street and Halloween. I don't remember agreeing to that, but you seem to just... That's what's happening. The Mimis voted. Their vote is law. 
But but didn't didn't Halloween win that vote? No, it was tied. And then you mm. refused to let Ely's husband be the casting vote because he's not in the group. He is welcome to be the casting vote. He just has to join Facebook, join the group, and cast a vote. Yeah, Those are the rules. Happening. I'm going to put up official rules for these polls. That's not happening. Uh, don't forget to look for our Facebook group. You can find it. I have it pinned at the top of our Facebook page, which is Gen X This Is Why. And our group is called the Mimi Bees. M-E-M-E-B. So join us. We have a lot of fun over there, putting some interesting content in there. And Jenny makes an appearance once in a while. Once in a while I get on there. Yeah. All right. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. Hi, everyone. Amy here. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. We really appreciate it. To best support us, please consider subscribing, sharing, and leaving a review on Apple iTunes or anywhere you listen. You can connect with Jenny and me through our Facebook group, The Mimi Bees. You can find information on the Mimi Bees and all other projects by liking us on Facebook or Instagram at Gen X This Is Why. Letter X, spell out the Y. Thanks again. See you soon.